Hello and welcome to the Be Better podcast where we believe every area of your life has a little more potential you can tap into and that it is completely possible and available for you to get a little bit better in every area of your life. I am your host, Clarissa Parody, and I have trained and worked in the world of business strategy, leadership, and performance. And I'm the person who believes and creates success where there appears to be ceilings. We are so excited to have you here. And if you are the type of person who wants to get a little better, whether it's in your personal life, professional life, your love life, you are in the right place. And we can't wait to have you join us. It is a great day to change your life. Let's go. Welcome back. I am so glad to see you here. Another episode. Welcome to the jungle that is my mind. I have been in a whirlwind the last couple of weeks. And what I love about whirlwinds, while I simultaneously hate it, is chaos. Chaos frustrates me deeply frustrates me deeply. And yet I'm often the source of my own chaos. That is a fun thing to acknowledge. And what I do know about chaos is when things are kind of fluttering around and bumping into each other and wreaking havoc or what appears to be havoc in my life and causing what I call overwhelm or stress. What I realize is also there are so many cool ass chemical reactions that happen because particles are bumping around. And if a cool ass chemical reaction can happen and magic can form and organisms can grow, like Think about what it takes to even pollinate something. Wild, incredible. Things get pollinated by bees, by deers walking through long grass and brush. That is remarkable that nature works such that the intermingling and collisions of things can bring about new life. And so when I look in my world and the interminglings and collisions that come about, rather than sitting in overwhelm and stress, I bring myself back to the realization and understanding that those collisions bring about new life. That even makes me think about conception. The miracle that is fertilization is bonkers. It is chaos that somehow, when completed, begins to create order. So from chaos can come order. And usually what creates order aside from organisms that are naturally somehow beautifully designed to make it all work and come together. I mean, can you believe you started out as a single cell and f- I just, wow, a totipotent cell, a cell completely, a single cell completely capable of dividing just so many times to create every cell that is currently in your body. Well, I mean, not completely true. You generally replace yourselves, but not the point. The point is you came out a human from a single cell that was magically, magically, magically fertilized out of complete chaos. Thrilling. To circle back, my appreciation for chaos is that it can bring about newness. It can shake everything up and has you look at things in a wholly new way and you can create order out of most most situations of chaos. One of my most personally heart-wrenching experiences, I ooh, get a little even emotional thinking about it, is uh, when I was in my 20s, the dearest woman in the world, who is my grandma, and uh, or was my grandma, still is, but has, is no longer here, has since passed. She and my grandpa were still living on their own. I'm not even sure how old she was at the time, maybe in her 70s. 
and they were independent people. They still traveled. Something was happening with her. You know, she she had so many health challenges. And one day she missteps and falls down a flight of stairs and knocks herself unconscious. And my grandpa thought he was looking at a dead body. Like it was very, very stressful for everyone involved. When she got to the hospital, there was a lot of confusion. She definitely had a brain injury and had broken her neck and both of her arms and she couldn't make sense of what happened. That was the first moment where time started not being something that made sense to her and started to become convinced that she was trapped in some sort of situation and they had to strap her in the bed and she always tried to escape and pull out her IVs and because she was so fierce and was determined to get out of that hospital as fast as she can, she actually required supervision 24 hours a day. And as a family, we knew that the healthcare team couldn't give her the kind of attention that was needed. And I remember saying, okay, well, we need to create a structure. I went into planner mode and made it such that there was a schedule that everyone followed. And for probably a good I don't even know, a month, maybe longer. We all took shifts and out of chaos, we created order so that it was manageable, sustainable, and something that we could all contribute to because it was really easy to all want to be there at the same time because you also get a sense of togetherness uh, and it just wasn't working. It wasn't creating the result that needed to happen and the, and the result, the goal that needed to happen is that grandma heals. Out of chaos, you can create order and and humans often put order on things. We create organizations. Organizations are organized. They have order. They organize chaos. And what's interesting about organizations, what's interesting about anything really is that if you know what to expect, if you believe there's an order to it, a way things go, you actually may have the perception that you're more in control. So even if you have an unfortunate spouse who always gets really angry after work or always does a certain thing after a certain hockey team loses, you know what to expect. If your boss always does things a certain way and flips out or you know how meetings go with him or her, since you know what to expect, you know how to prepare for it. And so you, out of the chaos and stress that is, you have in fact created order. And we apply order everywhere. Chaos and order are very fascinating to me. I used to have a lot of beef with chaos. I don't like stress. I don't like overwhelm. I like knowing what's coming down the pipe. And yet, and yet, the majority of my job requires me to be creative. And in order to be creative and generative, you can't always do the same things as they were. That's not creativity. That's replication. (laughs) I I have clients. I have uh, organizations I work with. I run a department. And so it is absolutely essential for me to embrace chaos and creativity and weave them into a way that is organized so that it's something that can be executable, that is actionable, that is usable and doesn't just uproot everything. So you go, you waltz into an organization, you're a new hire and you see possibility. You see there is space where I can make an impact. I cannot wait to implement some things, I'm going to contribute, I'm going to make a difference. These things for most people who like any sort of, I don't know, fulfillment or achievement are popular thoughts. They're they're actually common. And when we start to not feel like we're making a difference in a business organization or in our family, we start performing less well. Our 
performance declines. And so we're in we're in this world. We waltz, we waltz into an organization and then we bring ideas. And these new ideas are going to shift and shape the way things are. And, and when you shift and shape and shake and move things, you know what the people who are in the organization may see, may feel, is the beginnings of chaos. And they've done the things they've done. The company is running the way the company is running. And it can be so hard to let go of how things were because it got them here. Especially if you are working with people 10, 20, 30 years older than you who've done it this way for so long that have had the hard battles that have had to go through the things they've gone through. They're not sticks in the mud because they're sticks in the mud. I mean, some of them might be, but what I've learned for a great majority of my career is when I'm running into someone who is obstinate, who is a stick in the mud, who says we've always done it this way. I am not talking to someone who wants to see their business stay stagnant or become stagnant. I'm talking to someone who busted their ass to get it to where it is now. And they know this works right now, or it has been working. And the things I'm doing could overturn that and flip their world upside down and kill the success. So of course, they might be sticks in the mud and they might be fighting for what they know to be true. So if you're going into a new organization, or if you're coming up with a new idea, one of the biggest things you can know for at least one of the things that I I really learned is that when you're introducing new ideas or concepts you're not necessarily talking to the person when they're in they're, when they're in an innovative mindset you might be in a weekly tactical or an annual strategic planning session where maybe the brainstorming hasn't been done yet and you've got this idea or you know you bumped into someone at a coffee shop who has some new marvelous technology that you just want to implement and you're bringing it forward and you're shaking things up and you might actually be running into their fear of, oh my God, I could lose everything versus, oh my gosh, I could create everything. So when you are bringing in those things, you are bringing in chaos, perceived chaos perhaps. And it's worth noting, not because it's not valuable, but because if you can really get in the other person's mind in their shoes on their side of the fence to see maybe how they're perceiving it, you may actually approach your idea or pitch in a different way. You may do that. I for sure have changed a lot of my approaches based on who I'm speaking to. Know what makes them tick and have a tremendous amount of humility when you're doing when you're doing your pitch. Humility and professional will, which actually brings me to an article that I read in I think my first year of my master's program. I read this article and became extremely clear on where certain things in my organization at the time were not working. To kind of give a little bit of context to what a level five leader is, uh, Jim Collins defines a level five leader as an individual who blends extreme personal humility with intense professional will and notes that their five-year study, he had a team of researchers do this for five years for companies that went from good to great. These people who had intense humility or sorry, extreme humility and intense professional will were catalysts for statistically rare events of complete transformation of a business from good to great. 
So there's other levels. There's like level four leaders are effective leaders. They catalyze commitment to and, and vigorous pursuit of a clear and compelling vision. And they stimulate the group to high performance standards. But a level five leader builds enduring greatness through a paradoxical combination of professional will and personal humility. I also believe if you maybe aren't a level five leader yet, and there are not many of them, my offer is that it's a learnable skill. A lot of these people just have, like the people who he studied may have been trained to do, but a lot of them seem to just be this way as humans. What I know to be true is that you can train yourself to think, act, and be another way. If you're unclear if this is true, you can look at people who have gone from maybe being at in the depths of despair with their health and completely transform it into becoming these pinnacles of health. They just have this extreme radiance in their life. And you've also seen vice versa. And those are simply habits built. And they and those people often experience changes in how they relate to the world, how they relate to food, how they relate to others. And that is just one area that's an example. For a long time, I spent so much effort in explaining myself and justifying myself and the actions and the choices I made. And it is within your employer's right to ask for an explanation. However, I would over-explain and it was ineffective. It was so ineffective. I would just go on and on and on and on and on. And rather than using the power of the pause, I don't even know if I would inhale. <laughs> I just, I would just go. And sometimes I still do that. However, I have trained myself to practice delivering that, which I believe is compelling and important. If I was to ask myself, what would make an extreme difference in this situation? And will I do, am I willing to do it? What can I, how can I see this in a way that they would see it? What would they ask and what would their fears or concerns be? And can I address them with ease and certainty? Okay, I want to just jump back to chaos for a second because this Chaos is so fascinating to me. I just have such a tremendous amount of appreciation for both chaos and order that I didn't even know. I didn't even know until I took a moment to reflect on it. It is remarkable what becomes possible when we allow for both to exist. Every moment where chaos has come in, ripped the rug right from under me, left me on my backside, beaten and bruised for whatever reason, has not meant a dire outcome for my future. Has not meant a dire outcome for my future. And so accepting the chaos and accepting the order has really helped me to become a better leader, a better person, a better friend, a better sister, a better aunt. It allows me to also be humble. Now, I do not believe that yet in life I have mastered level five leadership. I, I feel like there's moments I can tap into it. And, and there's days I look back and I'm like, wow, that was a moment of level five leadership. Humility can be a tough one. And intense professional will that's enduring is a tough one. And sometimes it can come at a cost for something else. Come, come at a cost of your ability to sleep well at night, come at a cost of the amount of time you can spend with your family, have, come at a cost of 
you know, maybe you're not writing the book you want to write, but your professional will is both a superpower as well as a beast to be tamed, as well as a beast to be trained. You can, in fact, become a willful person. If you're in a space where your professional will creates workaholism in you, been there, done that, you can train your will to be executed in other areas of your life. You can train that. For those of you who are unclear, if you believe that this is a trainable feature in your life, there is a book by Carol Dweck, and it is called Mindset. And it focuses not on affirmations, but it focuses on growth mindsets versus fixed mindsets. And if you can take on a growth mindset in any area of your life where you're maybe not at your best, highest, greatest level of your potential, and and that growth mindset is there, the chance of you being able to get to the next level, get to that higher level, is so much better. If you believe you're stuck being a grumpy, pumpy pants for the entirety of your life and this is just who I am, well, I guess enjoy your identity. Keep it but do you really want that? So growth mindsets allow us to step into other ways of being. And so Jim Collins doesn't necessarily touch on that in his article in Harvard Business Review from 2001. And I'm not completely, totally clear if he talks about it in Good to Great. What I do know is that these two incredible authors who have both done tremendous amounts of rigorous research that have made it accessible to the public exist. And although they are separate, it does not mean they don't have interplay. So if you want to be a level five leader and you want to have extreme or extreme, excellent, intense professional will, as well as humility, those are trainable skills. I have been flexing personal humility lately. Uh, One of the things I used to do is I used to tell people I was working with, I have a team that I run. Um, I would tell individually, you know, okay, well, I messed this up. This was my bad. This is where I dropped the ball. And now I'm like, one-on-one kind of feels like you're telling almost like a little secret. And I'm not here for secrets. I am not here for secrets. I'm here for radical candor and transparency or effective transparency because some amounts of transparency, I don't know if they're effective. I'm here for an effective team that understands that growth is the way we operate. Growth is the way we operate. And last week even, I was on a conference call with my team and something went sideways and and there was a miss. Literally all of us missed it. And there was action that needed to be taken rapidly because this opportunity was very time bound. One of my team members was like, I'm sorry, maybe that was a miss on my part. Another person's like, I didn't catch it. And I'm like, you know, ultimately, this is a a leadership fail for me. This is not on you where this wouldn't have gotten missed is if we did X, Y, and Z. And those things didn't happen because my calendar got turned upside down and we had to cancel a couple of key meetings and push them forward. And the crazy part is that meeting that we pushed forward was also last week. So I had this conversation on a Tuesday and our meeting was on a Thursday. And that Thursday meeting had it been done four weeks previously would have probably saved me from being like, whoa, we missed this. Yikes. Let's get this uh, remedied. And it wasn't a do or die thing, but it, it was something that in my mind, 
was like incredible that we missed it. How? All of us? (laughs) That's, that is really got to be statistically unlikely. That humility in front of a group and not doing it one-on-one, I believe really opened me up to the idea like, oh, right, like this is a demonstration of humility. This is where I get to own where I effed it up, where I dropped the ball, where I didn't lead the way I could have, where I let things stop. And I was like, okay, what really got in the way for me was that I felt like I had to be in these other places and there's other timelines that were coming up and that were faster, that were more urgent. And I thought we could handle this and this wouldn't affect us. And it did. And I'm so sorry. I should have been a stronger stand for our team and I should have not been available to have meetings pushed around. That's on me and I'm working on that. I'm going to be more firm in my, I'm unavailable. And there's learnings there. There's so many learnings there. One of the best parts of this article that I still quote, I still love is in order to transform an organization from a good to a great one, what is required is level five leadership. And this leader must also get the right people on the bus and the wrong people off the bus and create a culture of discipline. And discipline does not mean punishment in this situation. It means rigor, a practice. Like if you're disciplined with your fitness schedule, if you're disciplined with what time you go to bed, there's structure. And there's also chaos. But the, the level of discipline allows you to manage and integrate the chaos. You have a system for integrating the chaos and and rolling with the chaos because there's something there. There's discipline there. And it's such a fantastic thing. And so what I've learned, I have been very clear on how I hire and who I hire. I know that what it takes to get results on my team means that one, you have to be willing to collaborate. No matter what, if that's not in, if that is not one of your abilities, we're going to either train it into you or we, or you won't be a part of the team. And I fully put myself in the space of hiring people because they are different. What are your values? What are your strengths? One of my favorite exercises to do with my teams uh, that I'm doing again this year is Strengths Finder by Tom Rath. And it's by uh, Gallup has it. You can go online, you can pay for a quiz and you get the results and they're actually quite in depth. You get your top five strengths and every single one of my team members has a different profile. No one's the exact same. I'm really high on uh, strategy and relationship building. My team isn't like that. They they all have different different strengths and I really want my team to play from a position of strength. I believe you can also work on your weaknesses. Again, growth mindset, you can train anything. And I know if you have some kind of natural proclivity or way of being that is inherently different than mine, you are probably one going to challenge me to think things differently, which brings back, brings in some chaos that allows us to be more generative, bring in new life, bring in new ideas, bring in new opportunities. And it also allows us to not just operate from one lens. When you are around and you only allow people in your circle who think like you, who believe what you believe, you are absolutely limiting your success. And you'll find yourself 
becoming increasingly judgmental and cutting people off at the knees because they think differently than you. They think differently than you. One of the first times I did one of these exercises with my teams, um, there was one particular person that I'm like, we got along so great 90% of the time, but 10% of the time, I'm pretty sure <laughs> we operated very differently and I'm pretty sure drove each other nuts. And we have, we still have tremendous amount of respect for each other. Um, but at the time, there was just this thing that we couldn't get through. And once we were able to identify and articulate, oh, Clarissa's strength is this, and this person's strength is this, we're like, oh, so the tension that we sometimes experience in our working relationship and in our friendship was actually because we both had strengths in different areas. And sometimes the strength in me would perceive that strength as a weakness and that strength in this person would perceive my strength as a weakness. I think that's also an exercise in humility is understanding that your strengths on their own are lovely, but without other strengths there can ultimately be weaknesses and you can really bring out the best in you by hiring people and being around people who are different than you, but also believe that there is something better that can be created. So if you're running a team, or if you are leading an organization, or if you are, you know, heck, even having arguments with your spouse, I highly recommend this. You can even do things like Enneagram. And when you can see how people operate and it provides you with a way of being able to articulate it and understand it and label it. And let's be clear that labels aren't necessarily a bad thing. It helps us identify it and work with it. It conceptualizes something. So if my strength is individuation, and so a person who really has a strength in individuation really sees that everyone is unique and does things for their own reasons. I have a te- I, I tend to exercise a tremendous amount of grace towards people in certain situations. I'll often defend the person that insulted you. And what that does for the person who is upset makes them feel like they're not valid, that their experience was wrong. You're just justifying this other person. And it can really feel like that I'm not in person A's corner. Person B who made the the misstep or the perceived misstep is getting my defense. And person A who's coming to me confiding to me or or trying to work things out feels like I'm not hearing them and that can be really ineffective if you don't know if you don't know right I always feel like I take the underdog side I believe in understanding is what I truly believe I believe in creating mutual understanding if you don't know that about me you could possibly feel like I don't appreciate your stance or position but know that when you're not around I do the same for you so there you go There you go. There's one thing like that. So understanding the strengths of your team members and hiring for different strengths will give you a different result. Why you're creating the grounds for chaos, which what do we know about chaos? Creates generativity. It is a place where things materialize. It is the place where we can learn to see things differently because we have to reframe everything and reorganize things so that there is order. It's actually incredible. We were doing a strategic planning session last week. And one of the things I asked the team to do is to blue sky, like if you could do anything. There's no limits on resources. There's no limits on money. There's no limits on, you know, anything, anything at all. What would you do? What would be so incredible? The questions we answered were, how do we add 
extra value? How, how do we over deliver for our clients and customers? The other question we asked was, what are we doing to create excellence in delivery? The third question we asked was, how do we create raving fans? How do we create raving fans? If your product or service is not creating raving fans, you're missing the mark. Our raving fans do so much for you. And if you're there to serve the customer at all times, if you're there to take things on and really deliver, you can completely transform their lives and yours because you have someone who's going to go with you the distance. And as your product or service evolves and you're serving that raving fan, if your business pivots and you're and you're, the focus is serving that customer that you're that ideal client that you're so in love with, your business is going to thrive when there's things that have changed. In sum, you want the right people on the bus, and the right people doesn't mean they're all the same people. And the wrong people off the bus, you get to decide what the measuring stick is for that. Uh, if you want more insight into that, Jim Collins, good to great, has some fantastic information, a lot of rigorous data. If you can have the right people on the bus and they are probably intellectually diverse, they probably have relatively diverse thoughts, ideas, perhaps even some diversity in their values. If you have someone's, I, I'm one of those people who believe that if your values are completely out of alignment with the companies, the chances of you staying in that company and thriving are very poor. If you are really love the environment and you're working for a company that does not care, you're probably going to hate your life or or be disgusted with yourself at some point, maybe at a cellular level, maybe at a subconscious level. But if you are working for a company that is out of alignment with your values, you're judging the company and you're judging you. And when we judge and we hold bitterness, we've talked about it before, stuff plummets, your performance plummets, your efficacy plummets, your belief in yourself. And you also like imagine that lack of integrity with you. So the right people on the bus usually probably mean there's some values that are aligned. People have some buy into the vision, but they're probably diverse in their thought and, and in their execution. And they're probably people who want to make an impact. There's going to be people who, who just generally don't care if they contribute, that their life's concern is not that. But most of humanity in some way, shape, or form, does want to create a contribution, does want to feel like they have some sort of, some type of fulfillment or meaning in their life. If their perceived experience is that of fulfillment or, or I did something that's meaningful to me or to others and that makes me feel valuable or valued, they are more likely to continue to perform. So you have the right people on the bus and the wrong people off the bus. And you have a leader who is both extremely humble and has professional will. You're going to see staggering results. And humility also means embracing the chaos, embracing the differences in strengths, acknowledging that order and chaos are both simultaneously valuable. And we can float in between those two realms to create wild, unstoppable results. If you tend to stay in the world of either just chaos or either just order, you're not going to see the same influx, the same trajectory 
as you would if you are willing to work with both worlds. And just remember, you are a bloody miracle and you started out as a single cell and literally it's insane that you are here. Nature is crazy. Well, friends, there's a little bit of order, chaos, level five leadership, playing from a place of strength and bringing about more success and results in your life. Come into your world with some high stakes and let yourself blow your own mind. Don't be afraid. I mean, actually, no, be afraid. Be terrified if necessary and then do it anyways. If you are doing things by the time you are ready, you're probably too late. (laughs) Uh, Three, two, one, go. That leap of faith, that leap of courage, that three, two, one, go gets me into action. And the acceptance that it might all go to garbage, it might just be a giant dumpster fire, is just a reality that I'm like, it might happen, but it also might not. And creating the chaos I do in organizations and doing the pitches I do in organizations and working with the clients that I do and seeing the results they get, it is worth it. It is worth it. It is worth it to put my neck out there. It is worth it to sometimes lead from the middle. It is worth it to sometimes lead from the back. It just depends. And you've got to just be in touch and in tune and and a willing and be willing and be so willing and prepared to be like, it went not the way I wanted it to and be open about it. Because that level of humility and candor is what is going to create enduring greatness in whatever you touch. Because if you continue to do it and you demonstrate it, it also filters down to your team. It also also filters laterally to your peers. And it gives permission to people to behave that way so that they are willing to meld the worlds of chaos and order and not become so fixed in the way they operate that things become increasingly inefficient over time because of a lack of a willingness to explore new opportunities and embrace innovation and change. That is all for today, folks. Thank you again for joining me. Always such a pleasure to share my mind with you. If you have any uh, recommendations, thoughts, feedback, concerns, ideas, you can always send them away. Send them away. If you are open and ready or not ready, please go and click that rate and review button. It is so powerful. It is if you only knew the power you yield. Go use it. Go use it. Go make a difference. Uh, Let people know what you like, what you don't like. Leave it the rating that you choose to leave it. It is what it is. You know, it is what it is. I anticipate all sorts (laughs) of feedback. Thank you for the privilege of your time. Have an amazing week and we'll chat next week. Take care. If this podcast has landed with you, served you, provided value, or you believe you know someone that it will do that for, please share it, leave a review. Uh, This really tells people what it's about and what they can get from it. And it gives the platforms an indication of whether or not it's serving people in the way that it's intended to. Thank you again so much. I cannot wait to see you next time. Take care.